This week's episode contains discussion about rape and incest. We want to bring up this important issue, but listeners should be advised about sensitive content in this episode. Steve King defends rape, candidates eat their way through the state fair, and Joni Ernst plays hide-and-seek with her town hall meetings. What a week. Welcome to this week's What a Week uh, episode. We are diving right into the biggest news story of the week in Iowa and and making national news. Our own uh, Congressman Steve King, although we do not like to claim him, um, defending uh, pretty much defending rape and incest at a meeting of the West Side Conservative Club uh, earlier this week. Um, he he talked about it when he was bringing up the fact that he opposes exceptions for rape and incest in, in some extreme anti-abortion legislation that he has tried to get through Congress. Um, this is the latest in a string of many, many, many uh, offensive and 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 just uh, brutally uh, uh, awful comments that King has made in his career. We have we're lucky to have uh, a great guest later on in this episode, Aaron Davison Rippey, the executive director of Planned Parenthood Voters of Iowa. But first, uh, um, Lauren, I mean, I know we've been following it this week. I just want to start off just with your thoughts on on the latest Steve King uh, disaster. I mean, it feels like we can't wake up any day and not see something that Steve King has said that's just generally embarrassing for our state and that is just so atrocious to hear from someone who's in elected office who has been in elected office and he he keeps saying the quiet part out loud so I'm sure that there are other Republicans who share this uh this thought maybe not in, in exactly those words but people who oppose exceptions for rape and incest uh like the senate bill that came up during the six-week ban in 2018 it was like years ago like it was a year ago but yeah i i generally and i mean i came up doing work with the uh Office of Sexual Violence Response when I was in college and working with those people and seeing the atrocities that occur and the these survivors that have to deal with so much. And I mean, being so undermined and just generally, I don't know, I would be very angry and just feel so... Uh, not seen and not heard and just I'm sure that there are survivors out there listening who have better words than I do about this and it's just it's a lot to handle from Steve King yeah do you think that uh do you think that it is I mean we get it I think we're going to get into this with Aaron in a little bit but uh into this discussion but his Steve King is running in a primary right now for re-election. Randy Feenstra, the state senator who's running against him, kind of condemned it or condemned what King said in some way, shape, or form. But I think there's like an Iowa Republican like condemn Steve King template that they yeah, use that they say sort like of is, they, that they'll but, say something like yeah. I condemn this the things he's talking about, but I'm not going to go as far as to talk about how he shouldn't be in office anymore. Although I suppose Randy Feenstra has a little more leeway because he is a primary opponent, but right. 
Chuck Grassley, Joni Ernst have have said that maybe his, that his words were not necessary, but haven't gone as far as to say, hey, maybe you should step down and just say this crazy stuff at the corner of the bar. Yeah. And also, I think it's telling that Feenstra has the same voting record and policy. So I I wonder if from, you know, from if people hearing that who don't who don't feel seen by Steve King or as you, you know, as you were talking about, I mean, I, 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 which makes complete sense. But do you think that a statement like, like that from someone like a Randy Feenstra, who has just as extreme a voting record and policy as Steve King, like you said, saying he's the one, King is the one saying the quiet things out loud. Feenstra is the one keeping quiet or even supposedly condemning what King is saying while agreeing with him on the policy, what, which is, I mean, they're both terrible, but which is, you know, which do you think is worse or, 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 I mean, it's just, I'm not saying that either one of them is great, but I think generally like Steve King is terrible and I'm quoting a Branstead ad, but you know where he stands. Whereas a, uh, a Randy Feenstra is kind of like a snake in the grass kind of thing where, uh, you don't know necessarily what's you might know that his poli- what his policy points are and but most people don't look up voting records or look up uh anything past maybe what their local newspaper catches which is usually a press release from that person or they'll pick up a tweet from that person and they'll say some weak platitudes about how oh this is this is uncivil this is this and this but go ahead and vote the same exact way. And then people don't call them on it because they don't pay attention. Right. Uh, and, and we will get into a little bit more of the, the policy um, aspect on this with Aaron in our discussion, our interview. Um, but there was a big, I want to talk about the reaction to this. I mean, there was a big reaction from several presidential candidates that I know you, uh, you were tracking a lot more closely than I was on social media and and then there was, you know, obviously reaction within the state. Um, I want to start off with saying that as far as I have seen uh, as of this recording, it's like around noon on Friday, um, uh, August 16th, Governor Kim Reynolds uh, has not said a word about this. I, that- I checked her. I've checked her Twitter, both of her Twitters, yeah. Iowa governor and at Kim Reynolds, Iowa. Uh, if there's anyone who saw anything different, let us know. I checked her her uh, press releases um, and nothing. She's just been chilling out at the fair, going down slides and meeting with people wearing weird T-shirts. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is someone who King was a co-chair of her campaign. Yeah, she got a lot of She needs to come get her co-chair. Yeah, she got a lot of uh she got a lot of blowback during the campaign for some of the things that he said because he was still listed as a co-chair for her campaign. She refused to remove him from even that on, you know, very honorary title or uh um but so uh but there but it's not just the governor. I mean there there've been a lot of reactions. So what were I mean I I know we saw um uh, uh Gillibrand Booker, I can't remember who else. But there there's who were some of the presidential campaigns that you saw react to this? I mean definitely Gillibrand. I think Klobuchar also uh Steve King has been on Twitter yesterday uh basically getting back at everyone who uh who said something yeah, about that? And he replied, to their, to their uh, 
and spelling people's names wrong and things like that and calling people uh basically calling people out for calling him out and in his Steve King nutty way but I mean I think this is a good step that maybe people are really gonna I, we say this every time he says something that is bizarre and atrocious but what maybe this is maybe this is it maybe this is the straw that's gonna break the camel's back and get us someone who's not Steve King yeah. and as as much as I would like to hope that every time that maybe the visibility is going to tell people in the fourth district that they shouldn't have Steve King anymore. But I mean, I can't. It's yeah. certainly possible. <laughs> I hope for the best, but I feel yeah. like we're Charlie Brown getting the, yeah, getting the ball <laughs> taken away by, by Lucy. Lucy at the last yeah. second. I mean, every single time it's, it's to mix the metaphors. It's groundhog day. I mean, it's just the same thing over and over again. So, um, it's, uh, uh, I want to, I do want to ask you one more thing about this. The reaction here locally, I think you, I, I wonder this every time King says something, do you notice a difference between national reaction versus Iowans reacting? I mean, I think Iowans are generally just so tired of, it's just like we have Steve King fatigue, like nothing he's, it's something will come up on his Twitter that will get picked up by the Des Moines register, which will then get picked up across the state. And there, I feel like there's almost like you have to hit a certain amount of, of bizarre comments now to get Steve King in the national news and for it to break past the Des Moines register or the local papers. And I mean, he definitely hit this one out of the park and, uh, (laughs) to continue to mix metaphors. Uh definitely hit this one out of the park, got himself on national news. Uh but he sa- he says all kinds of things all the time that everyone in Iowa knows about and then we just kind of are like, yeah, that happened. We'll move on. Something else will happen tomorrow. It's like we have a we have one of those calendars on a on a workplace that's like it's been this many days since uh Steve King right. said something. It's been th- this many days and it's usually we all I feel like we always clock in at zero. We maybe hit one or two, maybe a week has been the longest, but he always says something and then we all just move on. Yeah. And I don't know if the pushback helps or hurts, but it just seems like there is I mean, it's, sometimes I can just feel like there's nothing that's going to unseat him. And I know that's defeatist and but it just feels that way sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I do think that people outside the state, I mean, you start to see, you see all these, it's very similar tweets or statements. It's why are people reelecting him? What is going on with this congressman? What, what, I mean, but if they've been paying to, I mean, if they to start to tune in and pay attention, you're right. It's, it's one thing after another with him and, and it regrettably will not be the last. So we will, Stay. We will stay. Uh, stay tuned and, and make sure that people know not just what he's saying, but how he's voting, so we can continue to push back. Moving on to something, some lighter fare. Uh, actually, not lighter fare because we're going to talk about the state fair now. Uh, get your fried Oreos, fried Twinkies, fried PB and Js. Matt, did you go to the fair this week? Uh, we did. Went to um, actually saw the Zach Brown band. 
saw saw a concert last Sunday night, so it was fun. But I did not catch any of the presidential candidates speaking. I know you were there for quite a few. I don't know if for I don't I, think for all of them, right? I but. camped out at the political soapbox on Saturday morning through well, afternoon. Uh I missed Kamala Harris in the morning, got there about as Amy Klobuchar was finishing up. Uh Got to <laughs> ran into the Gillibrand family heading off to go play uh, play some games where uh, uh, her kid Henry won a giant sloth and he named him Blueberry, which is very cute because we don't get enough cute around here these days. And uh, who else did I see? Uh, after Gillibrand, I believe it was Elizabeth Warren and then after Warren, Cory Booker. And then I don't, that was the end of the day at that point. And then I did not go after that because I got sunburned and <laughs> had sunstroke because right. I did not hydrate properly. What did you, did you eat anything fun? Just at a the rookie fair? mistake. Yeah, right. Did you, did you eat anything fun at the fair? No, because when it's just, it was boiling, it was so hot. I had, uh, so you missed out on I did the, miss out, you know. but also I could not think of anything I wanted less than fried food at that time because okay. I got like a cider slushy, which I highly recommend those. Those are delightful. Okay. That's and something. and That's, got you know. a uh, I had a root beer float with some real watery root beer in it okay. and uh, lots of water. Yeah. And uh, even that was not enough. Did you uh, cast your kernel at the fair? I did. I did cast my kernel. Okay. We won't get into who. You no. Know, we can talk about that at a later episode. But okay, just make sure your voice was heard. In the, yes. Uh, in the, the great vote. kernel count. Yeah. Um, which is still going on. Yes. Fair. So if there, there are a lot of vote, kernel jars left. Yeah, it goes until the end. I believe it goes through the end of the fair. I, uh, I think Channel so. Channel 13 does that yeah. every, every year. Or every, yeah, every year. Yeah. Um, so uh, you were, you, you were, did not have this in common with candidates. I know th- about the level of fried food eating uh i saw i mean gosh i mean bill de blasio just ate his way through the fair dog and andrew yang talking With all about his how turkey many, legs yeah turkey legs what he said if you because he's you know what is it a thousand dollars a month for his yeah. universal basic income that would buy the math is now escaping me what a hundred turkey legs we didn't get right? into this industry to do math i know right but so i think it's 10 they're ten dollars each so you could get a hundred turkey legs per month so i mean if you do the math 30 days a month you could eat three turkey legs a month a a, a day and still have 10 turkey legs left over for snacks at some point in time i mean that's probably not the healthiest diet but you could do that i guess i remember seeing pictures of him when he was at the fair wearing his suit eating a turkey leg and i will say if i had to wear a suit to the state fair, there is nothing leg. I would yeah. want less than to eat a giant turkey leg. I, mean, I didn't inspect the pictures that closely, but it did not look like he uh, uh, spilled anything. No. Not, I don't think there was a stain on that shirt, which is pretty impressive. So um, That is very impressive. I spill stuff on myself all the time. <laughs> Who do you think had, maybe not among the candidates, but among other folks, at the, maybe among the candidates, like who had the most fun? I mean, you had... Mayor Pete I mean, riding the bus. You had Henry Gillibrand. I think Henry Gillibrand yeah. had the most fun. I mean, he he does I, have his director of fun responsibilities, so he's was, got a reputation to uphold. That was pretty fun. That was but yeah, cool I think I think Pete Buttigieg definitely did did a great job of 
being a good fair goer. Uh, I, I applaud him for doing that much in one day because I could not do that. I was not feeling like staying outside for that long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they're all pretty good sports about They it. are I mean, good sports. Had, I mean, you had uh, everyone from Harris to Booker to Warren to Sanders to Biden and everybody, you know, in between showing up and eating and also eating what de- they could and, and, and yeah, uh, dealing staying with, hydrated and, uh, dealing and with the, with lot of, the lot of 50 deep there. people around them right. while they're just trying to eat a corn dog. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, kudos to, to, I think, to all the candidates who came out and and, and saw everyone at the fair. Um, uh, yeah. The was, fair is, is, I think, an interesting microcosm of Iowa because, I mean, as people who work in politics, I walked in and immediately saw about six people I knew and – it's it's just so interesting. And I mean, like my family was there because my like my cousins show animals. And so it's just you never know who you're going to meet at the fair. That's that's for sure. But yes. <laughs> um, if you've ever played hide and seek or remember playing hide and seek from when you were growing up, um, you would be in good company with Senator Joni Ernst, Chuck Grassley and a lot of Republican office holders as they schedule their town halls across the state. This week we had there were a few scheduled in uh, places that are far from major population centers, um, but from both Senator Grassley and Senator Ernst to uh, this this week. um Senator Ernst is holding a town hall in Polk County, one of very, very few public meetings that either senator holds in one of the more populous counties. But she's holding it at 730 on, in, in the morning on Saturday. So there are those of us who are going to try and come out. But this is a continuing theme with Republican office holders. We actually have done uh, research on this in the past about Senator Grassley. It has been it has been uh, at least six or seven years since he's had uh, a town hall meeting in Polk County, Lynn County, or any of the other major uh, uh, largest population counties in the state. And it's worth noting that that Senator Ernst is is at least somewhat following in his footsteps, although I guess she gets a tiny bit of credit for having a, an event in Polk County, a public event in Polk County. I'm not but, giving her that much okay, credit. that's fair. It's right. at 730 on a Saturday when right. everyone else would like to be asleep. <laughs> um, Lauren has thoughts on this. Um, and, 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 and accurate ones, It's been ones, a couple of weeks. I have not gotten a lot of sleep lately. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you can say that you want to hear from people, but when you put this out, you know, a few days in advance and it's on, se- it's, a, it's on a Saturday morning at 730, I don't think that's inviting to to public comment and, no. and input. I mean, um, it also makes it so much easier for people to just be like, oh, it's at 730. I don't want to go. And then I think the the opportunity value of that goes down when you think, well, she probably won't take that many questions. And if she does, she probably won't give me an answer. And it's at 730. Why should I even go? Right. And I think. That's done by design. Yes, and, and and it's really unfortunate that they that they do this um, in this way. And I mean, and this the 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 sad part is that they or the, that there's a reason for that, which is that her voting record is so terrible and has hurt so many or has hurt or attempts to hurt so many families in our state that she doesn't want to hear about it. From she's people. also not do. She's the vice chair of the Senate Republican Conference and presumably has the ear of Mitch McConnell right now and 
could feasibly do something about the fact that Mitch McConnell is basically holding a bunch of these really great bills hostage from being put to a vote in the Senate. And I mean, maybe that's not something that everyone knows about, because I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, the majority leaders get to control what gets brought up for a vote which they do, which is not a great policy, but right. anyway. I mean, but so she has, I think Joni Ernst likes to claim that she does, she's just a, she's just a senator from Iowa when she's the vice chair of the Senate Republican Conference and has the, has the means to do some good and get some election security things passed, get background checks passed, get anti-corruption bills passed, and she's doing nothing. Yeah, and and I I know that people want to want to talk to her about this, about what not only, like you said, not only her voting record, uh, but what can be done nationally, and and we as her constituents deserve deserve a right to to have that voice. Absolutely. Well, we encourage you if you hear this podcast today. It's Saturday morning, August seventeenth, seven thirty a.m. It's Wallace Elementary School. In, in Johnston. In, in Johnston, thank you. Um, and and so uh, there are those of us who will be out there uh, to ask her the tough questions. Um, we encourage you to come out and to stay stay involved, stay stay tuned into Progress Iowa at our uh, on our w- website, social media. We try and promote these events as quickly as we can, as quickly as we hear about them. But if you're hearing about them, please contact us because we'll share that information. Sometimes, you know, they might show up in a local paper that a, that a, that one of these senators is, is holding a town hall because um, we try and encourage people to go no matter where they are around the state. And now our interview with Aaron Davison Rippey, the executive director of Planned Parenthood Voters of Iowa. Joining us now is uh, Aaron Davison Rippey, the executive director of Planned Parenthood Voters of Iowa. We talked about Steve King's horribly awful, horrendous, offensive, inappropriate, and just disturbing statement earlier in the in the program. And um, and so we're bringing Aaron in now to, to talk about this. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Matt. I um, appreciate it. Before we just dive in, I want to make sure that folks are completely aware of, of exactly what Congressman Steve King said the other day at the Westside Conservative Club. Uh, the Des Moines Register uh, was the first uh, to, to cover this, and they quoted him as saying, quote, what if we went back through all the family trees and just pulled those people out that were products of rape and incest? Uh, would there be any population of, of the world left if we did that? Now, end quote. Um, now, he was defending his position of not allowing exceptions for rape and incest um, in the uh, extreme and anti-abortion legislation that he has tried to pass in Congress. So um, that is the the brief uh, summary of, of the congressman's comments. And so I kind of just – we just want to get your initial rea- – not initial reaction. It's yeah. been several days, but your reaction to, to that. Yeah. I mean it is absolutely – just disgusting and unconscionable and in many ways not terribly surprising um, coming from from Steve King. I mean, I think that's been one of the things for those of us, you know, who live and breathe this every day. Steve King that says just absolutely atrocious things all the time. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm glad that folks are taking note of this, um, because this is, you know, this truly is his position. 
Um, but it is just so disrespectful of, you know, people who are survivors of rape and incest. I mean, to normalize, you know, rape and incest as an act of war. I, there are just so many pieces of this that are are truly unbelievable and yet so very Steve King. I mean, this uh, you said it exactly that this is his position, but it's also the position of many, many uh, Republican office holders. And I know you, you like you said, you live live this every day, but in the fights here in, in Iowa or that you see nationally, I mean, like it, this is unfortunately not an uncommon position. Even I think his primary opponent, uh, Randy Feenstra, who was at least somewhat critical of this, he has a similar position on 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 this issue. I mean, and yeah. and he's not the only one, right? No, not not at all the only one. And and yeah, his his primary opponent is on record voting. Um, you know, here in Iowa, we had um, the six week abortion ban last year, which of course at the time was the country's most restrictive abortion ban. That's no longer true. Um, but the the version that the Senate passed, and Senator Feenstra was in that was in that Senate. Um, that six week abortion ban had no exception for rape or incest when it passed out of the Senate. Um, and, you know, you you hear a narrative quite often. I mean, there's a, a woman who comes in from an organization um, to testify just about every year on abortion um, issues that talks specifically about this, that, you know, they believe that there should be no exceptions for rape and incest. Um, so it is, it is not an uncommon position um, for some of the elected Republicans right now um, to vote for bills that don't have these exceptions. And even the final version of that bill, while there were some pretty weak exceptions, they were weak. So for instance, the the rape exception required that the survivor had to report that rape within 45 days. And again, you think about the timing, you think about, I mean, a, a young person who might not have any idea that they are pregnant the 45 day window may have closed. And so it was not a meaningful exception. And, you know, it's, it's much more common than I, uh, I think folks care to admit to have elected officials who support these positions that, you know, Steve King is, is articulating in a way that they, you know, is a little different than maybe they articulate, but it's where some of those electeds are. Yeah. I mean, he made this point at a, at the West Side Conservatives Club in Urbandale, which has generally, I mean, it's a suburb of Des Moines. It might not be as blue as central Des Moines, but it's blue adjacent. And thinking about how that. Uh, I like the blue adjacent. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about how that probably resonated with folks who were at this event are people who are, well, you live in Urbandale, Matt, I so do, you're neighbors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and here's the thing when you when you talk to people, you know, whether it's here in Iowa or across the country, you know, you see all the polls coming out. You know, the majority of Americans believe that abortion should be legal in most or some cases. And one of those cases that is just, you know, people believe that that survivors of of rape and incest above all should have access to safe and legal abortion. So these positions are so far out of alignment with where, you know, like 70 some percent of of Americans are. Yeah. And I, I mean, we could go down an entire rabbit hole into this discussion, but I feel like this is the tip of the iceberg about like how 
the Republican Party or conservatives or some men, and especially on the extreme conservative side, feel about women in general. I think it just typify. It just is a is an example of of the fact that they don't I mean necessarily care if a what happens to to um, to a woman if I mean they they care that 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 a baby is going to potentially be born. That's about it. Yeah, and, it's it's way too reminiscent of the handmaid's tale. I mean, I know that oh, we we sure. kind of we throw that around right. a lot, but that's the direction that this takes us down. I mean, it is it is so disturbing. It is so dismissive of people who have been through those experiences and Matt, you're exactly right that it just, you know, treats women as, you know, a vessel or, you know, gives them no agency in in their own lives and that is so opposite of of what so many people believe that you know these are decisions that should be between you know a person and their doctor end of story how does this impact um either the how does something like this happening impact the work that you do um does it inspire people does it demoralize people you know how like uh, maybe a combination of both yeah. because it's we see these we all see these comments from Steve King on a regular basis. So it's kind of like, how many petitions can I sign uh, to get him to, you know, to call on him to resign, which he's not going to do, you know, like what, what, or does it, and, but it also can fire people up. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. It's all of the above. You know, I I can assume that for, you know, people who are survivors of rape and incest, that this is incredibly offensive and hurtful. Um, And, you know, for many people, may inspire them to take further action, um, may inspire them to, you know, vote differently in some ways. Um, you know, if he's gonna, if he's gonna have these positions, um, you know, I'm glad that people are recognizing that this is really what he means when you, you know, we talk a lot in policy language about, you know, this bill doesn't have exceptions for rape or incest and, you know, for him to come out and, and say, no, this is what I mean that I, you know, I think that our country wouldn't be populated. And, you know, the natural thing you take from that is that he is just okay with it. So, you know, sure, keep, make sure that your constituents and the state of Iowa understand what you really mean, um, because it is not aligned with, with where people are. This is not what most people think. I'm surprised he didn't throw something in there about like women of good breeding aren't, aren't, (laughs) aren't, uh, populating the, Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, all of his, you know, racist uh, comments over the years. I mean, this smacks of that as well, because, you know, you look at at, you know, rape as a tool of war. Well, you know, that has been used extensively on, you know, indigenous populations. And, you know, there is a there is a racial aspect to this as well that that can't be overlooked and, you know, just continues to reinforce his, you know, racist comments and racist views. Yeah, I. Would it? Uh, I know, Lauren, you were digging into some additional research on on uh, healthcare policies in the state as well as a result of this. So I don't know if you want to talk uh, about that. So too. there was an article on Rewire News yesterday that talked about how uh, ACA uh, marketplace policies are very opaque about what they cover as far as abortion coverage and 
I mean, I had no idea that this was a thing. And I mean, I uh, get my insurance on the marketplace and I dug into my own policy and found out that there is no coverage for it. And it's very much couched in Hyde Amendment terms Mm -hmm. that unless it is for purposes of getting rid of a pregnancy as a result of rape, incest or life endangerment, which is so messed up. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. One is that a lot of people aren't aware that it's it's not actually uncommon for private health insurance to cover abortion access. Um, it's a you know it's a standard health procedure um, for plans on the the marketplace through the Affordable Care Act. You know, one of the concessions with the passage of the ACA was something that made it a lot harder for insurance plans to cover access to abortion. And there were all, there have been all of these attempts to, you know, make people buy a a rider. So you'd have to have a special plan, you know, so that people could ensure that tax dollars, you know, weren't funding, you know, any abortions. Um, Lauren, as you mentioned, the the Hyde Amendment is, is an amendment that passed many years ago that prohibits federal funding from, from supporting abortion other than in a few instances. But, you know, it, for me, it's, I see that as one more thing that is limiting access to comprehensive reproductive health care. I mean, you, you have things like that where, you know, if you are buying your insurance plans on the marketplace, you may not have access to abortion. You know, you look over to Eastern Iowa where the bishop has cracked down on, um, you know, the Catholic health system and is not allowing them to even prescribe birth control birth control. I think it's still 2019, but there are moments when I'm not sure that we are seriously debating birth control access. So it's harder and harder to access reproductive health care in this state. I think people also are generally unaware of how expensive it is to pay for an abortion out of pocket. Uh, The Rewire article talked about generally on the lower end for a first trimester abortion, it's around $1,500. And so this really does affect lower income individuals and even up into middle income individuals who can afford to buy insurance on the marketplace, but are unaware that they're going to have to pay fully out of pocket for this procedure. And then as this goes, as you find out that, oh, I have to get all this money together, that price is going to grow. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you speak to exactly why the Hyde Amendment is discriminatory against folks of lower incomes and disproportionately against people of color because, you know, people with means are always going to be able to get access to abortions, you know, whether that means having the cash to, you know, have a procedure that they have to pay for out of pocket or, you know, if we, you know, end up in the unfortunate circumstance where someone has to fly to another state or another country, you know, people with means will find ways to access abortion. It is people with low incomes who are are already, you know, marginalized in society. They're the ones who will be most impacted and who are currently impacted by, you know, laws like the Hyde Amendment. Um, Well, I think it's safe to say that we will keep working to to make sure that 2019 is 2019 and not 1959 or whatever, whatever year long, long ago um, that we obviously don't want it to be. So. Um, I want to thank you for joining us today and 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 keep up the fight. Keep thank the good you work. so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you to you. both of you. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. 
For more information, visit potluck.fm and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.